We're going to be over in Luke chapter 15. So you can turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 15 or look up on the screen. There was a pastor who was invited to another church to preach there. And when he began his sermon, there was all kinds of enthusiasm. And the more the congregation responded to his sermon, the longer he went on. Finally, he noticed that the host pastor was sitting there in the front and he was responding to the sermon that he was saying by saying, Amen, Pharaoh. He kept saying that. Amen, Pharaoh. Amen, Pharaoh. Well, he finally got through the long-winded sermon and he went into the back room and was asking, he got bold enough and he just asked the pastor. He said, Pastor, what did you mean when you said, Amen, Pharaoh? He said, I was trying to tell you to let my people go. <laughs> yeah, sometimes we can make a request at times and it's not quite as bold as we need it to be. It's not quite as upfront as we need, uh, need to be. And sometimes we don't always get what we are asking for because we are not asking in a way that's understood. We're not asking in a way that is clear. We're not asking in a way that people can understand what it is that we want. Over in Luke chapter 15, we're going to look at a very familiar scripture to us. Story of the particle son. Now, we've covered this before, and this is actually a trio of, of parables, and they all have to do with one another. We are pulling one out because we're going after this for a particular reason. But the reason this was given was for our attitude towards the lost. We had one who was, uh, there was a lost coin, and there were certain things that went on with how the coin got lost. But anyway, we, we looked at it from, the, that's what he's given these parables for, is for the lost. We're not going to go over all the details, how they all intertwine and stuff like that. But that is there. And if you haven't been there before, just go back on up and you can take a look at our stuff on the parables before and you can get all caught up on that. But I want us to look at this in light of what we've been doing here in the area of giving. Now, we've been uh, talking about this is not something we usually take up as a, as a series on Sunday mornings. But we are right now because it has to do with the last thing that we were involved with. And uh, some of you folks have been getting us some questions and we appreciate the questions and responses on that and lets us know what, where we should go. Uh, I would just want to, before we get into this, I just want to bring you to mind something that's in the Word of God that we may not always be mindful of. And that is whenever you learn something new or you pursue God in an area, a new word is sown in you, the enemy comes to try and steal it. We saw that in the parable of the sower, that when the seed was sown, what immediately came? He uses the word, immediately birds came and ate up the seed. The reason for it was there was a lack of understanding, so it didn't, uh, they weren't able to hang on to it. Do you remember back when Jesus was in the wilderness being tempted of the devil? Do you remember the event that occurred before Jesus was taken into the wilderness? There was an event that occurred, and it says immediately after that, the Spirit of God led him into the wilderness. It was the baptism by John the Baptist. And after he was baptized by John the Baptist, the Spirit of God came down upon him and said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. That's probably the first time Jesus ever heard that from the Father. He knew he was about his Father's business, but that is probably the first time he ever heard that from the Father. Remember, he laid down his deity become man. What was one of the things that the, that the devil used when his temptation of him? If you are 
the Son of God. What he's, what's he doing? As soon as the new revelation was set in, as soon as the new word was set in, what's the devil come to do? To take it away. You may be learning some things in the area of giving, in the area of sowing. Not just sowing money. We've been expanding that, trying to get you to see there's other things that out there to be, be sowing. And as you do that, understand the enemy is going to come and try and stop you from understanding, stop you from pursuing. But God has got some good things in store for us. Amen. Luke chapter 15, verse 11. Then he said, A certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. Now, I have a question for you. Which son did the father give the inheritance to? It's a trick question, and I'm setting you up. It's a trick question. But how many of you, by def- if you were not looking at this passage right now, would say the younger son? You would be wrong. And the younger of them, who? The younger of them said to the father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to, to them. That means that the younger son received his inheritance and the older son received. It is not just the younger son who received his inheritance. It is the younger son and the older son. They both received their inheritance. We always focus on the younger son because it talks about what he did with it. But understand, at this point, the father has divided up his household and the older son has as much of the inheritance as the younger. In fact, if you hold the Jewish tradition, he has a little bit more. Because more was given to the older because his job was to take care of all the rest. So he had what was called a, you all know the phrase, double portion. So which son received his inheritance? Both did. It's important to understand that in this parable. You've got to understand that it's not just the younger one who received the inheritance. They both did. He divided his inheritance to them. They both got it. Now, we don't know anything about the two sons. I wrote some things in underneath here, but I ran out of room in order to get all this stuff in, so I took these things out. You can write them in there if you want to, but it's not that big a deal. We don't know too many things about the two sons. We don't know their personality. We don't know their effectiveness. We don't know their diligence. We don't know how faithful they were up until this time. We don't know anything about it except that one was younger and one was older. That's all we know. We don't know what kind of a work ethic they had. We don't know how many, how much time. We know the work ethic of the older son because we see that later on in the story, but we don't really see much of the younger son. So we're left to assume some of that. So we have to pretty much conclude from this that such, uh, such things for the story are not important. If they were, Jesus would have included it. What we do know is that right now, all things are equal. They both have their inheritance. One may have, the older may have a little bit more, but they all have their inheritance. Now, is there any mention in this parable or hint in the context of telling it that this was a wrong request? Is there any aspect of this parable that would hint to the fact that he, the younger son should not have asked of this? It's not in there, is it? 
sometimes we've gone after this parable and we thought, you know what, they, that, they shouldn't be asking that sort of thing. They've got to wait till he passes on and then they, they, they get that. We've put that in there, but Jesus is telling the story and do you get any aspect from the Father that he's offended at this? Mm-mm. Not at all. Now we're going to come back over here to that passage in just a minute. But look over at Luke chapter 11, verse 5. And he said to them, Luke chapter 11, verse 5, which of you shall have a friend and go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves for a friend of mine has come to me on his journey and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within and say, do not trouble me. The door is now shut and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give to you. I say to you, though he will not rise and give to him because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence, he will rise and give him as much or as many as he needs. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds. To him who knocks it will be open. And we'll come back to the rest of this in a, in a moment. Let's take a look at the actual parable part. Which of you shall have a friend and go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has come to me on a journey and I have nothing to set before him. He will answer from within and say, do not trouble me. The door is now shut. Have you ever had somebody, a neighbor come over and ask you something that was a little bit of trouble? Do not trouble me. The door is now shut. My children are in bed or with me in bed. I cannot rise and give to you. I say to you, though he will not rise and give to him because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence, he will rise and give him as much as he needs. We have read this parable before with the idea that God is teaching us persistence in prayer. How many of you have come out with this meaning out of this parable that God is teaching us persistence in prayer? And that persistence in prayer for some people means that you have to keep going to God and asking Him the same thing over and over and over. Now, the reason we come at this with the idea that Jesus is teaching persistence in prayer is because in the New King James it translated that word Because of his persistence. In the King James Version, if you have the King James, it does not say that. It uses the word importunity. Importunity. How many of you know what importunity means? No clue, right? We do not talk like that. When was the last time you used that in a sentence? I would say the last time you used this in a sentence is when we read this chapter in our daily reading. (laughs) <laughs> which wasn't too long ago. But that, that's not a word that comes up. That's why they replaced it and they put something else in there. However, that is not the word that the Greek New Testament used. It is the word the translators put in to translate the word. Now, here's the thing. This entire parable is interpreted in light of that one word. If they got that word wrong how many of you think our understanding of this parable would be tainted? Yeah, they got the word wrong. The word does not mean persistence. This word in the New Testament is used one time. Here, this is it. Jesus is the only one in the New Testament to ever use this word. No one else used it. I looked it up. I have at my disposal some some pretty neat Greek defining tools that are in there. And so I took my best one, the one that hardly anybody else has because it's out of print. 
It is my favorite one to go to. It is the one I go to first. And usually I don't have to go anyplace else. It is that good. I pulled that off the shelf and I looked at this and I want to tell you something. I gave you the entire definition. This is a book. This is a volume set that has a lot of volumes. And this is the definition of the word. What I put in your outline is right there. That is 100% of the definition of the word. It means shamelessness. Now, they, they break it down going back to classical Greek, New Testament Greek, Septuagint Greek, all that sort of stuff. Follow the word all the way on through. But here's what it means. Shamelessness. That's, that's what the word means. I put in your outline that this comes across. I mean, just asking the guy, this comes across as what? A bold request. This is, not, this is a bold request to come over at midnight. How many of you would be a little leery about going over to your neighbors at midnight to ask for anything at midnight? He's coming on over to ask for this thing. So this word means shamelessness. I put in your outline that if we understand its meaning as translated, then the time of the request would not need to have been mentioned. If the purpose of the parable is to teach persistence in prayer, why mention what time of day it is? Right? He's very clear. It's at midnight. That is not a good time to visit the neighbors. Is, is it a good... If people came to you at midnight, is it a good time to come visit? If you hear a knock at the door at midnight, what happens? You become startled. You're, why is someone coming at the house at midnight? Put this in your outline. We are told three things of importance to focus on here. First off, the time. It is midnight. Secondly, the relationship. They are friends. And third, the need. It is food for a traveler. These are three things that, that dominate the, the uh, parable. The time, the relationship, and the need. As we read over that parable, is there any mention as to how many times the man made the request? If that is the main meaning of the parable, why is that not emphasized? Now, I can read this parable and I can kind of get the idea that he asked more than once. I don't think that's a wrong inference. But you don't infer the main point. Isn't it right? You don't leave for inference the main point of the parable. You have to state the main point. You can infer some other sub-things, but the main point has to be clear. So since the main point seems to be resolved around the time, the friendship, and what he is asking for, what we get from this is this is a this is why this word is used. He is making a shameless shamelessly bold request of a friend. Not a stranger. A friend, someone for whom he has a relationship with. And we've talked about other aspects of this, this part here, but we really just want to take a look at this part. The, the shamelessness. His, his persistence, I put, I already told you this, but his persistence is perceived but not emphasized. It's perceived to be in there, but it's not emphasized. Now, when you go back to the prodigal son, and prodigal son comes to his 
father and he says, give me half of my inheritance. What kind of request is that? Is there not an aspect of shamelessness, boldness? How many of you would be a little embarrassed to ask that if you were the son? I don't know if I want to ask that. That's, that's kind of a nasty thing. I mean, he may say, no. And you know what? I'm going to cut you out completely. <laughs> he might just do that. I don't it's, it's, there's just a little bit of shame that comes to asking that. And, and, but he doesn't seem to be ashamed of it at all. He is very bold. And he says, Father, I want half. Now. I don't want to wait until you die. I want it now. That is a bold request. That is a shameless request. So really, we have Jesus teaching us in two different parables to uh, two different people who came and made very bold, very upfront requests of someone they had a relationship with. Can you see the similarities between these two parables? The one was a son to a father and the one the other was a friend. A friend. So, we've got this bold request that goes on. So with that, we're ready to go back over to Luke chapter 15. Go back over to verse 13 where we left off. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together. Everything that he was given, he gathered it all together. And journeyed to a far country. Now, we're not told how he gathered it. We don't know if he sold the flocks that he had and took the money. We don't know if he left with all the flocks in tow. We don't know how he did it. What we do know is that he took it. And all that was his went with him. How much of what was his left with the son? All. All of it. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and journeyed to a far country and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. Doesn't get into what he did with it. He just says it was prodigal living. And that's it. Apparently, how he wasted it is not important. Just the fact that he wasted it. He took all and he wasted it. But when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in the land and he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of the country and he set him into his fields to feed the swine. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, but no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself... He said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough to spare? And I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. Do you get any indication that the father is upset at the son? We don't even see that the father says, where's all the stuff? He apparently makes no request about the whereabouts of all that he took with him. He just saw the son. So he was looking for him. He watched for him. But in the, in the area of the lost, we use this in the, in, in the, uh, when we looked at all three, of them. One was a lost sheep, and a lost sheep we are, represented a young Christian. 
And when the young Christian wandered off, what was the shepherd supposed to do? Go after it. And he needed help. The second one was a coin. The coin was not lost because it wandered off. The coin was lost because it was mishandled. And in the number second one, we saw that the woman, which probably represented the church, mishandled some people who were in the, in the fold. And he says, by the help of the Spirit, she took a lamp. You go out there and you find them. But on this third one, it's of a son. And the word is for a mature one. One who was gone past the, the son placing, the weophysia, the ceremony that the Jews put people through, that you would go into adulthood because then he, was, he could access his inheritance because the Father would not have given him his inheritance until he had gone through that. Galatians tells us about that aspect of it. So he was a mature son and a mature believer. When they wander off, what does the Father do? Waits. The shepherd goes after the sheep that wandered off. The woman goes after the coin that was lost. The Father waits for the Son. So anyway, that's on the lost part of it. Which, uh, we don't want to get to, too distracted with all that, but just keep that in mind. So the Father is waiting. He's looking, but He's not going after. He's not pursuing. And so the Son comes back. He gets welcomed. And the Son said to Him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in Your sight and am no longer worthy to be called Your Son. But the Father said to His servants, that's not all that He rehearsed, is it? He rehearsed some more beside that. But the father cut him off. He had this, he, this came to him. He came to himself. This idea came to him. You know what my servant, the servants of my father's house do better than I'm doing. I'm going to go back there and see if I can apply to be a servant. And so he's going over the whole time. What am I going to say? Have you ever had that? When you had a, a tough meeting with somebody and you're not looking forward to it, what do you do? I mean, the hardest part is getting started. So, you figure out a good way to start and you keep going over it. I'm going to say this. I'm going to say it this way. This is how I'm going to do it. I'm going to, and you, you get ready and you get yourself all ready to, and you, so you go on in there and then you just read off what it is that you said. <laughs> you just get yourself started. After that, you can kind of go where, where it leads, but this is what he's doing. He rehearsed it. He rehearsed it. He rehearsed it. He's ready. He comes before him. Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight and am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring out the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet and bring the fatted calf here and kill it. Let us eat and be merry. For this was my son. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. If you ever wonder if backslidden mature Christians can go to hell, just look at Jesus. What does He call a mature son who was in the family who wandered off? What does He call him? Dead. You want to take up that? Take it up with Jesus. He's the one who made up this parable. But that's what He calls him. But He came back. What did happen when He came back? These people want to go out there. Can you? Uh, they want to teach you. You can never lose your salvation. You want to bypass Hebrews and what it teaches about it as well. Let me tell you what, losing your salvation is difficult, it is hard, but it can be done. But this guy came on back and he says, oh, glory, he came on back. Put this on him, he's not going to be a servant, he's going to be a, a son. A son. Is he a son the same way as a, he was a son before he left? 
No. When he left, he was a rich son in the father's house. When he comes back, he is a poor son. <laughs> he lost some stuff. Don't wander off. Just get that idea. Don't wander off. Some people who uh, mess with all that eternal security and stuff, I, I, I'm pretty sure some of them just want to see how far can I get from God before I lose it. Don't try and find that out. You'll lose stuff. And God, He doesn't want you to lose stuff. So He's warning you. Don't do it. Stick around a family. It's good here. You know, we, sometimes we wander off and we think, you know what? It is not good in the world. I don't like the world. Jesus says, I told you, it's good here. Then say it's not without issues and problems. There's people here in the kingdom of God and they can give you problems and they can give you issues. It's all right. It's better than it is out there. Just keep on hanging on. Keep pursuing God. Go after it. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So if he didn't get it the first time, he repeated it. If he's repeating it, this is his story. He's making it up. <laughs> if he's repeating it, it's important. And they began to be merry. Didn't never say that they stopped. It just says they began. Now his older son was in the field. And he came and drew near to the house and heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. He said to him, Your brother has come because he has received him safe and sound. Your father has killed the fatted calf and he was angry and would not go in. Therefore his father came out and pleaded with him. So he answered and said to his father, Lo, these many years I have been serving you. I have never transgressed your commandment at any time. And yet you never gave me a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this son of yours, <laughs> not my brother, as soon as this son of yours came, who has devoured your livelihood with harlots, you killed the fatted calf for him. I'll tell you what, there's an awful lot of Christians out there who have the attitude of the older son. How much does the older son have at least as much as the younger son had and probably a little more. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me and all that I have is yours. Look around, son. Everything I got, it's all yours. It was right that we should make merry and be glad for your brother was dead and is alive and was lost and is found. That's two times he says the same statement. And in the same statement, he repeats the same truth twice. That's four times for the same truth. You want to ignore that? Don't ignore it. If, if, he, if Jesus repeats something, he's not like the rest of us. We repeat stuff and we're not even sure that we repeated it. He does not repeat anything by accident. He repeats it. For a purpose. Go through, the old, go through the New Testament and look at all the times whenever Jesus repeated someone's name. What did it mean? Peter, Peter. <laughs> yeah, Martha, Martha. It was not usually a good thing when he repeated your name. <laughs> you just want him to say it one time. You know, it's kind of like with the, you know, when they say your first and middle name. Yeah, if for Jesus it's just Peter, Peter, 
Martha, Martha, and there's a few others that you can go through the Bible and see. Yeah, you don't want him repeating your name. But if he's repeating something, it's for a reason. It's important. How many times did Jesus repeat the teaching to the disciples on the third day? How many times did he repeat it? Why? Because it was important. Jesus repeats things that are important because he wants them to get it. They still didn't get that. He repeated this two times. And again, in each statement, he repeats the same truth twice. Now, here's what we need to begin to, to see. Let's take a look at the younger son first. At the beginning of the story, the younger son was bold. What he, wasn't he? Father, give to me my inheritance now. That's a bold request. That's a shameless request. But then he becomes more timid. Right? I'm going to go to my father and I'm not going to say, Father, I'm your son. I should live here. <laughs> it doesn't, doesn't say I'm going to do that. He says, you know what? I've sinned before God. I've sinned before man. I've sinned before you. I've sinned before everybody. And I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Just make me a hired servant in your house. He's become more timid, right? Why has he become more timid? It's real easy to see. It is, it is just glaring at you in the story. He is aware of his failings. Look at why, why is he saying that, that um, I can't be a son anymore? I am no longer worthy. It meant before he saw himself as when we see ourselves as worthy in front of God, we see ourselves able to make requests and to be bold and in the words of Jesus, shameless. Shameless. But when we become sin conscious, when we become mindful of the things that we've done that are wrong, a mindful of the things we've done that have let God down, mindful of the things that we have done maybe to have wasted stuff that God has put in our hands, we begin to view ourselves as not worthy and we become more timid in our request. He first says, I want half of my, I want all my inheritance, half of what you have. All right, here you go. He comes back and I'm not even worthy to be your son. And what's the father do? Elevates him to the place of being a son. So what occurred to take away his boldness? I am no longer worthy to be. And he goes on. I am no longer worthy. I was, but I'm not now. Most of the time that we are not bold before God is because something about the request we see ourselves as disqualified. Satan gets in and begins to tell us, oh, but you've done this. Oh, but you've messed around in this. Oh, but you did it. Oh, I did. Oh, I shouldn't. I knew I shouldn't have done it, but I did it. Ah, I am not worthy. I'm not worthy. The older son was never bold. Never. Not a single time in the story was the older son bold. All that time, apparently, he could have been asking the father for the inheritance. He may have thought about it, but he never asked. When the son took all, he cashed it in. How many of you all know that had an impact on the uh, plantation, wherever it was that they were living? That has an impact on it. Maybe certain parts of the, of the place got sold off. 
the the uh, sheep herd is smaller, the cattle herd is smaller, the supply of rings, clothing in the house is smaller. It affected the house. You can't just take half of the house away without it affecting it. It had an effect upon the house. The son stayed and lived under that effect. Probably got bitter at what the other son took away. Maybe before he had four tractors to take care of the field. Now he's got two. Would that have an effect? Half the stuff went away. Cashed it in. Did something. But the older son was never bold. After he took half of it away, does the older son ever do anything to cash in on what he has? Nothing. The older son was never bold. And what did he have? Everything. That's right. He had it all. Everything he saw was his. What did the older son use? Nothing. He didn't use a thing. He had everything, but used nothing. Now, according to the parable that Jesus taught, Jesus made this parable, according to the parable, whose fault was it? The son's. Right? Is there any... any, any when you read this parable, is there any doubt that the reason the son has not had anything is because of himself in the eyes of the son whose fault is it? Fathers. I have worked all, I've been faithful, I've been in the field, every day I'm in the field, every day I am working for you, and you have never killed a fatted calf for me and my friends. You have never put a ring on my finger. You did not clothe me with some great elaborate robe. And yet I have served you and served you and served you and served you. As soon as this son of yours comes home, give him the ring, give him the robe, give him the fatted calf, give him a party. And he said to him, Son, Verse 31, you are always with me and all that I have is yours. It was right that we should make merry and be glad for your brother was dead and is alive again and was lost and is found. If the son wanted a fatted calf or a goat, what should he have done? No, it's his It is his. If he wants a fatted calf, he goes into the field and he kills it because it is his. If he wants a goat to make merry with his friends, what should he do? Go into the field and get it. If he wants a party, if he wants a ring, If he wants to go out into town and look nice and put one of the robes on, what should he do? But what is he doing? Waiting for the father to put the robe on. Waiting for the father to adorn him with a ring. Waiting for the 
father to kill the fatted calf. Now, why does the father kill the fatted calf for the younger son? Because it's not his. It doesn't belong to the younger son anymore. He can't just go in there and get it. It belongs to the older son. If I get the... Well, what not with? When I get to heaven, I'll have to ask Jesus, all right, how come the father didn't have to ask the son if he could kill it? <laughs> I guess because he's the father. <laughs> can you see this? Too many Christians in the area of harvesting off of what they have given have the attitude like the older son. They are expecting, I have sown, I have tithed, and God should put on me a robe, a ring. God, for me, should kill the fatted calf. He should give to me a goat. And the father's response is, your inheritance is yours. It's for you to do something with. Be bold. Do something with it. Be bold. But too often we are timid. We are waiting for God to come by. It's a whole lot easier for God to come on by and have somebody write us a check. See the check come in the mail than it is for us to take advantage of our inheritance. It's a whole lot easier. It's a whole lot easier to be the older son and stay out in the field and keep working, keep working and get bitter and angry because things aren't happening for me the way that they should because I think they ought to be going differently. To be angry, get angry at the father, get angry at the other, other people in the family. And what's he, you think he's telling himself, man, you are messed up. No, he's saying, you're right. You're the only one who's right. You're the only one in this whole family who sees this thing correctly. Your father's wrong. Your brother's wrong. They're all wrong. He's the only one who's got light. And the father comes to him and says, son, it's, it's, it's all yours. Look around. Everything I got. It's all yours. It's all in your account. It's all yours. We have things put in our account and we are not doing anything with it. We haven't accessed it. Why haven't we accessed what God would want us to do? It's simply because we're ashamed in asking. We feel like, well, I'm not necessarily worthy. I haven't done this. I got these problems going on. I got this going on. We disqualify ourselves over and over again. David so many times could have disqualified himself because of all the sins, all the things he did that he came short, came up short for. And yet, when needed, what did he do? He made requests of God. That had to be hard sometimes. Because he's very mindful of the sin with Bathsheba, the sin with his sons, the things going on in his family, the things that he did in the kingdom that didn't work out so good. We have tithed, and just because we have tithed, we kind of think that that means the father should kill the fatted calf, put the ring on my finger, and clothe me with a robe. But what is he's saying is, no, that just opens you up to have the door to let me get in there and do some things. Now, what do we need to do? Ask. Again, we, we keep going over this, but we, we can forget it so easily. 
Every time that somebody came up to Jesus, what does Jesus ask them? What do you want me to do for you? I want to see. I want to hear. I want to walk. I want to be cleansed. They had specific things. And He would do it. But they had to ask. They had to ask. Mark eleven twenty two through 24. Whatsoever things you say, there's an asking that's involved. We need to be asking. We need to make the request. But here's the thing. Here's the, here's the thing that we we got to make sure that we... We're kind of falling back on and we're messing up on. Let me go on back to my wrong note page and pull this up for you. The son, the younger son, when he asked the thing of the father, asked him based on what? He based his entire request off of one thing. The servants in the house couldn't do it. The neighbors around couldn't do it. There's one thing he based his request on. Give me my inheritance. One thing he based it on. And it was his position as a son. He based it all on that. Everything was that. Does the older son have the same position? He's a, he's a son as well. You can write this down if you want to. Do whatever you want. But to understand position will gain us possession. To understand position will gain us possession. We got to understand what it is to be in, in the right position. We are. We have been made sons of God. That means the Father is our Father. Jesus, how many times made reference to you are of your Father the devil or you are of the Father God? Two families, two places to be. One or the other is one you're going to be in. We've got to understand our position. If we are going to gain possession, we've got to understand our position. Why did Isaac inherit the promise of Abraham? Because of his position as the son. Israel, his position as the son. The rest of us become partakers with Abraham's blessing because of our position. We have been made to be seeds of Abraham, right? Too many times we merely petition or plead. To merely petition or plead will lose our potential. To understand position will gain us possession. To merely petition or plead will lose our potential. Too many Christians, folks, we're out there, we're, we're petitioning God, we're pleading with God. You want to, here's the kind of request we make to God. We'll say, Father God, I have been out in the field so faithful for you. Night and day I have been working for you. Night and day I have been faithful to you. Please do this for me. In that parable, does that work? Does not. In the parable, what gained possession was when we understood our position. Father, give me half, or give me all of what I have, half of your possessions. 
We've got to understand our position in the family of God. And when we make a request and we ask, it is a bold asking. It is an even shameless one. It is one that says, if I see it in the Word of God and you promise this to me, I can ask you for it. You want another bold request? Joshua is winning the battle. And he says, you know what? Don't let the sun go down. How many know that's a bold request? That is a shameless request. How many of you are saying, oh, we can't ask that. Oh, we'll just have to let the sun go down and tomorrow we'll pick it back up again. But he didn't. He was bold, even shameless in what he did. How many times did Israel go into battle with one-tenth an army of what they were up against? One-twentieth of an army of what they were up against? Yeah, but Abraham, when he took his 200 trained fighting men against the five kings, they weren't. 200 kamikazes, 200 servants. He took 200 servants into a battle with five kings and beat the snot out of them. Is that a bold request? Father God, I'm going into battle. I got 200 guys. They got yeah, thousands. But we're going to win. That's a, that's a bold request, isn't it? God is not bothered by bold, shameless requests when we make them based upon the Word of God. When we get faith from the Word of God for the request, ask! I've told you my word what you can ask for. Look it up. Study it. Ask me. I couldn't remember who this was. I was trying to remember who it was, but I didn't, um, I, I couldn't remember, but I, there was this one king or one of the conquerors, uh, one of the world conquerors, and uh, someone was interested in marrying uh, their daughter. I think they had a son, and so they came up to the king, you know, they uh, want to marry, my son wants to marry your daughter. And so, you know, when you, when you give away a daughter, and uh, this is just how it was in the old days, a daughter was a liability. That's just how they looked at it. That's not how it necessarily is. That's not how God looked at it. It's how they looked at it. They looked at daughters as liabilities. So in order to make it more palatable to take the daughter and the expense of keeping that daughter, you came along with a a dowry. And so you had to ask a, a, a dowry of it. And so this particular one, he came to the king and he asked a dowry of the king. Which I mean, I'm just glad, I'm just glad to be married into the king's family. This is cool. This is great. I'm just so happy married into the king's family. That is just dowry enough right there. No, he didn't do that. He came and he asked, I forget what it was. It was a huge sum. It was, a, it was embarrassingly huge. It was a large amount of money. And they said, oh man, I can't believe you're asking the king for this, for his daughter. He's given you his daughter to marry into your son. And you're going to ask this? And the king, when he heard the request, he didn't get mad. He got happy. He said, this man honors me. Because he realizes I can do it. <laughs> he realizes I can, I can pay that. Give it to him. That's a bold request. That's a bold request. Put it to you this way. How many times have you worked at a place? I think we can all raise our hands on this and no one has to. You have worked at a place and you were underpaid. 
right? We've been underpaid. Yeah. And, and you're sitting there underpaid and you're going through work and you're doing the work. And what are you thinking about when you're working? can't believe how much they are not paying me for doing all this. I should be paid more. They're making so much money off of me and I'm only making this much. This is, that's not, and you're, you think about all this, right? And you get fire mad. You get angry. And sometimes you think, I'm just going to march into that office and I'm going to say, either pay me or I'm leaving. How many have been, been, I don't know if you, I've been there with that one. So, oh yeah, I'm going to pay, pay me or I'm out of here. <laughs> And so then, you know, sometimes he even went up to the office, got close to the office, maybe even knocked on the door of the office. Come on in. I, I just wanted to see if you're having a good day. <laughs> Hope everything's going okay. Sure like working here. Appreciate you. Okay. <laughs> you go back to work, right? <laughs> you felt good about it when it was just you, but when you are presented... In front of the people who can do something about it, you get a little timid. You pull back a little bit. And sometimes we do that with God. We go to His Word and we see His Word says I can do this. His Word says I can ask for this. His Word says this. His Word says this. And then we get in prayer and we get before God and we say, Oh God, I just hope that you find it in your heart that somehow let me have at least a little bit of what I need. You know that I need this much, but if I just get maybe a tenth of that, I think I'll get by okay. If you can just see it. Is that bold asking? Is that shameless asking? Are we doing what the parables told us to do? But we expect to get the results. But we don't want to do what we're supposed to do. What are you supposed to do? Now, it's, you know, people get on the other side of the ditch too and they get in there and start bossing God around. You don't need to boss God around. You don't need to give God orders. Folks, don't give God orders. He's God. Understand, you are a son of God. But He's still God. He's the big guy. It's a big difference between Him and you. Big difference. He loves you. That's why you're still here. <laughs> he's a loving God. But He's God. You're not. He is. It's God. Good God. Big God. Oh, awesome God. Powerful God. He's God. You don't, he don't need you coming in there and giving Him orders. What He wants you to do is to find out what He said He'd do in His Word and say, Father, you said you'd do this in your Word. I sure did. Will you do that for me? I sure will. You ready? That's what it'll do. But we got to do. we got to get ourselves built up in faith, not in anger. Get ourselves built up in faith, not on all the works that we have done. Build ourselves up in faith in His Word, not going out there and seeing how faithful we have been. We don't present to God because of our faithfulness. We don't present to God because of our works. We don't present to God because of the things we've done or why it's in His best interest to do it. All we need to do is, Father God, You said in Your Word you do that. I sure did. I'm ready to believe for it. Good. I've been waiting for that. Let's go. You are facing a willing God. A willing God. God wants to bless you. He wants to do good things for you. But He needs you to ask in faith. 
James teaches us that. Let him who asks, ask in faith. Nothing wavering. Don't waver. For one who wavers, not going to get it. Don't be a waverer. Be bold. Understand this is what God, this is what you said. You do. That's what I said I would do. So you'll do it? <laughs> what did I say in my word? You said you'll do it. So what do you think? I think you'll do it. <laughs> we got to be bold. we got to be shameless. And we've got to stand up and say, God, I thank you. You desire to do good things for me. You desire to do good things for me. And he wants to, to do that. Remember the, the verse of Scripture? The Lord looks for those on whose behalf He can show Himself strong. Strong. Put this in your outline. God is not offended by shameless asking. He's not offended by it. He likes it. He wants people to ask. I put this thing in there for you. So big. When you sow so big, and be thinking this way, bold, intentional giving. So big. Bold, intentional giving. Keep sowing. Not just money. Sow kindness. Sow wisdom. Sow the Word of God. Sow everything you can. When the opportunity comes, sow. Sow. Keep sowing. See an opportunity to sow? Do I need a harvest on that? I don't care. Sow. <laughs> Just keep sowing. Yeah. How much kindness should you sow? Every bit you can. How much mercy should you sow? Every bit you can. Keep sowing it. Keep doing it. Once you sow big, then ask. Assertive, shameless knocking. Assertive, shameless Knocking. You know what that is? Or when you come up to the door, and you don't go, I, I don't think they're home. <laughs> right? Just a little. Not sure I don't want to wake anybody. They might not be home. No, when you come up to the door, what should you do? <laughs> Hello? <laughs> I'm here. Got to be assertive. Shameless. Don't be ashamed that you showed up at the door. Don't be ashamed that you're asking for what God said to ask for. Well, I've asked Him for healing so many times already. I think He's just kind of wore out with me asking for healing again. Well, I've asked for wisdom before. I don't know. I don't want to keep asking for over and over. Same thing. He's going to get tired. No! He's not. He wants you to ask. That's why he says, if you ask, keep on, keep on asking. Not, you don't have to keep asking for the same thing, just keep on asking. I asked something yesterday. So, it was yesterday. He's a great God. He's a big God. He's a powerful God. Stop limiting His power. That's a God who created this massive universe that we measure in light years. That's the, the amount of um, distance light travels in a year. We measure it in light years. That's awesome. And we're not looking at four or five light years apart. Things are. They're further than that. 
Galaxies are far apart. Far apart. God made a massive world. Massive galaxies and universe. Massive. Huge. And you're, well, I already asked them for something yesterday. I don't know if I can do it again. No, don't, don't do it. Don't do it. Keep asking. Keep knocking. Keep being bold. God wants you to. He told you to. Jesus gave you parables to tell you to do it. Keep going. Keep going. Understand your position. This is my position. This is what I... And don't go to Him because of your works. Don't go to Him because of what you have done. Don't go to Him with how long you have been or whatever. Just go to Him. Hi, Father. Guess who? Me. Yeah. Part of the family. We're here. Need to ask you something. And when you ask, don't beg and plead. Too often, folks, we are the older son... We're begging and pleading or expecting that the Father is just going to kill something because of our hard work. And the Father says, Ask! But Jesus in the other places doesn't just say ask. He says, Ask believing. Believing. You should never ask anything of God until you have built up your faith enough in the Word to be believing when you ask it. Don't be pleading. Don't be petitioning. Well, God, if you do this, I'll do this. Please, God, uh, please just do this. Just this one more thing for me. I won't ask you anything else for the rest of my life. Just one more thing. You got We got to knock, knock that stuff off. If you have been asking God for something, and listen to how you ask God for it. Your asking has been, Father God, I'm so tired of this in my life. Will you please do this Take this. I'm just so tired. I have been fighting this for so long. Please, will you just take this away? You are coming to God as the older son and wondering why you have no fatted calf, why you have no ring, and why you have no robe. It's because you haven't approached Him in the right way. All you need to do is say, I'm your son. I'm your son. I'm your son. Father God, you want to do this for me. I thank you, Father. Now, if you've been pleading and begging and doing all the other stuff and not getting what you need, don't just go, well, I'm just asking him again. No. Go home. Build yourself up on the Word of God. Get yourself in a place of faith and then say it. And then declare it. And then believe it. Don't be wavering. Too many times we're wavering. We say... We're one thing before God. Father God, I thank you that I am healed. And we go out to somebody, how you doing? Oh. Believe in God for that promotion at the, at the work. We get before God. Father God, I thank you that I had that promotion at work. And then somebody says, how's work going? Oh. <laughs> we got to get our talking in line with our asking. This is the problem that comes in. Is why we've, we've harped on this how many times before. You're talking exposes your believing more than you're asking. Your talking exposes your believing more than you're asking. You can ask anything of God, but it's your talking, the stuff that you do throughout the day. That'll tell you whether you believe it or not. You've got to get yourself to that point of believing. Do you believe God will do that for you? Well, I hope so. Not there yet. 
Get back in the Word. Get yourself convinced. God will do it. Get yourself convinced. Know it. Be assertive. Glory to God. Would you all stand up with me? Father, we thank You for the help that You give us. That You desire that we ask. You desire good things for us. You desire this to be going on. With every head bowed and every eye closed, there are some of you folks here, and I know some things just from what the Spirit of God was telling me about what you've been asking. I could call some of you right out here, but I don't want to embarrass you. But I'm saying these things because I know certain ones are thinking this way or have thought this way. Some of you are at a job and are expecting God to do something on that job and it hasn't happened yet. Some of you have situations that are going on in your body. Some of you have situations that are going on just in your life in general. Some of you have family situations. But you're not, you're not asking God in faith. You are petitioning God like the older son. And you need, for all that we point to the younger son as being deficient in, we need to get more like the younger son who just asked based on his position. There are things some of you haven't even asked God yet because you don't think He cares. He might care for other people, but I don't think He cares about me that much. You need to get that out of your head. God cares for every single one of His sons. And male or female, we have all been made to be sons because positionally, those are the ones who got the inheritance. And He wanted you to get the inheritance. He made you positionally a son. Father, I thank You for the help that You give us to get out of the position of an older son in the parable into the place where we see we can make any request of You based on faith, based on the knowledge of what Your Word says simply because we are a son. I thank You for the help that You give us on that. With every head bowed, no one looking around. If you're here today and you say, I have been asking wrong. I have been seeing myself more in a way that lines up with the older son and not as much with position. You raise your hand up. We're going to pray for you specifically here. Yeah. Father God, you see the hands. I noticed too that a lot of the hands that went up are the same ones you spoke to me about. I thank you, Father, that you have seen each one of these guys. You care about each one of them. You cared in the story. The father cared as much about the younger son as he did about the older son. But the older son had the attitude that he didn't care because he wouldn't take advantage of what the father had provided. Oh, Father God, we have gotten ourselves in that position. I have been in that position myself. I have been there where I've thought things of you. Oh, but you want to to help us. You have laid things out. You have put things out at our disposal. But we can't access it with an attitude like the older son. You love us. You care for us. And all we need to do is be bold and shameless in our asking, understanding that we are worthy because we are a son. And our God will do it. The harvest is there for us to take We just need to put a demand on our inheritance. 
Father, we thank you for it, the help that you give us in this. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. There's more to go on this. We didn't get through it all. There's more on just this part of it. Uh, we'll, we'll pick it up, but it won't be for two weeks. But we're going to pick it up. As you get some things, if you have some questions on this, submit them in any which way that you want to do. I don't care if you put a name on it, just put it, fill it out in a card, just email it over to me, whatever it is. You've got a question on this. It's important that you get this because we've got to get out of the older son mentality. And for all his shortcomings, we've got to begin to think things more like the younger son. At least in our asking of the inheritance. We've got some prayer reports to give and we want you to be able to hear them before we uh, get going. If you have one and you haven't finished writing it out or you didn't get one when you came on in, raise your hand up. I, I love that you guys keep doing this. This is, this is so great. Nas got up this morning with a stick back. <clears throat> so he said, I laid hands on myself before I went for, for the Motrin. Thank God for his healing power. I have no pain. Amen. <clears throat> Sharon said she received a check that I was not expecting. Mm. Praise God. Yay. Um, Vanessa says, after this week, the furlough of the one-day-a-week layoff on her job is over. So everybody be back to work full-time. Praise God. No more... No more lack there. Daryl said he had a customer call for one particular service, and our God multiplied it into six additional services <laughs> to provide. Yeah. God, that means more business. Um, Tony Morris says the longer and the closer I get to God, thanks to the people that come to this church, thank God for being bringing me here. Amen. Ray said um, I praise God for a steady increase in strength and stamina and becoming more able to perform my duties at my work. Where, where did yours go? Huh? Where did yours go? I didn't write it up yet. Why not? Okay, I'll tell you mine. Um, well, because yours kind of has to go first. Because mine has after yours. I told mine. We told ours on Wednesday, so. No. Yeah, but not everybody <laughs> heard. Uh, all right. We get to sew this week. That's, we we that's do get right. to sew. We had some. Y'all know we're going to the Rama conference? Yeah. Tomorrow. And I told you who the speaker is. Yes. Pastor Bobby Anion. My pastor for over 30 years. He's the speaker. He's, uh, he resigned his church, so I passed it on to his son, and so he's going to be going on the road more. And so the, they got him. He's coming on over here. Well, they called us up this week. It was Monday or Tuesday. Yeah. And they, they said, uh, would you be able to pick Pastor Bob up at the airport? <laughs> and so my wife gave the answer for me. She said, absolutely. Well, are you kidding me? Does that mean yes? <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah, well, I'm sure. Would you, should you check with your husband first just to make sure? Well, I will, but I'm sure that he'll say that too. And so she came on into the shop and she said, uh, can we pick up Pastor Bob at the airport? And I go, are you kidding? <laughs> so, so we're picking up Pastor Bob at the airport. So I sent him a message and I said, look, it, I, I'm sure you probably have staff people to help out with this. But if it helps you out at all, and if Pastor Bob needs a ride to and from the meetings... We'll gladly give him a ride to and from the meeting since we know where it is that he's staying. So they sent word back. Says, that would help out greatly. Please, uh, uh, if you can do that. So I, I've, I have probably spent alone time with Pastor Bob in about 45 minutes in 30 plus years. And we'll blow that out of the water just, just on this one. Just that. So I also, uh, they said, uh, oh, afterwards, they said, can you take him to the Lancaster airport? Because he... Um, He's going to, uh, and then we didn't know why, but I was got in touch with the staff and I was talking to the staff and they said, well, he's going to rent a car and he's going to drive the car from there all the way out to Wind Gap. And then from Wind Gap, he's going to drive all the way down to Philadelphia to catch the airplane. So I said, let me see what we can do. 
So we uh, finagled some things and we did some things and said, because uh, Pastor Bob has sewn into us for 30 plus years. So I, I sent a note to his assistant that said, if it helps you, we will take him to his engagement at Wingap and then we will take him to the airport. You just run it by Pastor Bob, see if he wants to do that. Sometimes he may just want to ride. He's, he uh, sent a note back says, Pastor Bob is so relieved that he doesn't have to make that drive down into the Philadelphia airport and find his way through Philadelphia. He says, yes, please, please, that would be great. So we get to spend all this time with Pastor Bob <laughs> and even take him to the next meeting, help set it up and do that sort of stuff. Oh, let's, let's go ahead. So, okay, so you said most of it, but my praise report is that because of all of that, now I get to spend an extra day away with my hubby. <laughs> but, you know, I was, I was just sitting here thinking about this. I said, you know, we're talking about sowing and, and reaping. And, you know, like Pastor said, Pastor Bob has just sown so much into us and his teachings and, and just um, his life. Uh, the things that he taught me early on in the early 90s when we first got together. Um, but now to be able to sew back into his life, I mean, that's just, I mean, when we, I heard that it was a relief to him, you know, a lot of times people just want to be with the pastor and they think it's all hoity-toity. But to me it was like, wow, this really is a blessing. It's like it's a relief to him that we, we can take him and, and, uh, and just be there for him. So, But I'm glad I get to spend one extra day away with my baby. <laughs> Of all the, I told you about the five influencers, teachers I had. Um, uh, three of them came out of Grace, two of them came out of Rama. Out of those five, no one has sown more into my life than Pastor Bob. And so this would be our, our first time to actually get real close to interact with them. But we know how to pick up guest speakers and not drain them before they get to the meeting. So <laughs> we'll make sure we do that. Yeah, I'll, I'll, get, I'll get to that. We have a couple of prayer requests to, to go on this. So we have we have this one. Bobby has a herniated disc over in the in, in there. It, uh, they're they're going to do pain management first. Take a look at that, and uh, that that is the biggest of all the things that were going on, and uh, to to be taken care of. But there was some arthritis they found in the back, and the third thing was the sciatic nerve. So he's facing these kind of things, and but you know God is able to overcome this. First off, we have to believe it. Secondly, we have to be bold to ask it. And then we feed our faith to continue because the enemy wants the thing is sown. What's he want to do? He wants to take it out. He wants to take it out. You don't let him take it out. You, you, keep, you keep speaking that thing. You keep saying that thing. And so we're going to stand with, with Brother Bob for the thing. Uh, we'll let his faith build up on this thing. What will you ask for? It's not what we ask for. It's what he asks for. He's got to ask for it because he's got, he's got, he's got to have the faith for it. It's what he asks for. And... Uh, you know, sometimes we ask for things for the surgery to go good. Sometimes we ask for a thing just to go away. Sometimes we ask for the doctors to get knowledge of a thing. Whatever it is, you can ask God for whatever you want to. But you've got to have faith to believe that it will happen. You've got to have faith to believe that it will happen. As long as you have faith to believe that it will happen, you can ask God for anything. I don't know if we understand how much that is. So... God says you can ask God for anything. If we can believe it, if we can find it in His Word, if we can believe it, and I'll tell you what, there's, there's more stuff in His Word that we can find than we have. If we can ask God by faith for anything, He will do it. He will do it. Anything. How many of you have right now have an anything in mind? 
Yeah, we do. We all got things. You better have. You know, we're not even alive if we don't have anything. You got in anything. Get it in my. Go after the word. Father God, show me what your word is on this thing. Let me see. I need word on this so that I can have faith for it. And then once you go away from there, if you are speaking doubts about it, it's because your faith has not been built up yet. Don't sit there and kicking yourself, stopping yourself from saying some things. Build up the faith. Get rid of the doubt. Because whatever we ask of God believing, He will do it. He will. Oh, I just wish we could. I'm not just talking to you. I'm talking to me. (laughs) We put our own limitations on God. I hope all afternoon you meditate on this story and think of the limitations the older son put on the father. What the older son put, the limitations he put on his inheritance. What the limitations were that the older son put on what he could do. He put them on him. The younger son, no limitations. He went off and did all sorts of stuff. Your limitations are your own. Read the Word of God. Find out what is promising you. How many of you are still reading your chapter a day? If you are, if you fell behind, it's really easy to get caught up. The uh, PDF is out over there. You can read that. I, I just do it on my phone. Read it on my phone. Put a bookmark there and come on back and read it again. And uh, just keep going. Get that word in you. I'm amazed at how many times we can go through and read a story, but because we're going through a certain thing, oh, I see that. <clears throat> oh, I see that now. Yeah, that. I need that one. That's gonna that's gonna help build my faith up in that area. You got some things that are that are going on in your life. I know, I can see on some of your faces. This is pulling at you. This is this is important. Oh, I. It's so much of the older son, where we get angry and bitter at God, and God is like, but it's all yours. It's all yours. Glory to God. We already prayed. <laughs> we are we are done there. If you got some more questions on this, just just uh, send them over. We want to try and pursue them for you, help you out with all that. Uh, we will not see you on Wednesday. Brother Naz is going to minister at the service on Wednesday night, and he'll be here taking care of that.